Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have my friend Hilda here with us today. And Hilda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm very excited to be here as well. So Hilda, and Hilda's last name is Zarkoza. Zaragoza. Zaragoza. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, we've been uh-huh. friends and I still don't get it right. Say it for us one That's more okay. time. Zaragoza. Zaragoza. Um, mm-hmm. And Hilda, you know, we've got all kinds of exciting things to talk about what you have going on today. But before we get there, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit about your background. So I'm originally from Mexico, from Juarez, Mexico, which I would say is the ugliest part of Mexico, but it's my town, so I still love it. Um, And my family moved here to Colorado when I was 15. Uh, So I went to high school here, then I left to New York City for college at NYU. I studied economics and romance languages, so it was an individualized plan and it was great to be in the city, great to just have that vibrancy all the time. Um, Then after graduating, I went into finance. I worked, I did a summer stint at Goldman Sachs and then worked at at BlackRock for a couple of years as an analyst. Um, It was really just like go, 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 pretty stressful, a lot of hours, but I think it gave me the foundation for really anything else I could tackle after that. You know, you need numbers to do anything in this world. Yeah, right. Um, but I wasn't really, you know, my heart wasn't in it. It wasn't, I couldn't really be passionate about just working with, with numbers, with people's investments, not really producing anything, not really creating anything. Um, and they, BlackRock has a real estate arm and I became, you know, exposed to kind of the work that they were doing and the investments that they were involved in. And it really interested me. So I moved back, back to Colorado a couple of years after BlackRock, well, uh, after being at BlackRock for a couple of years. Um, and my family, my mother had a hotel business here and she was operating, owned and operated the hotels. So I basically helped her out for a little bit. She wanted to sell and retire. So I helped her position them for sale, dealt with the the whole transaction for her while getting my master's degree at BU in real estate and construction management. Um, So once the hotels were sold, I had my master's degree. I basically found um, a development deal, you know, a small infill duplex project that penciled out and I just went for it. Um, Just pieced the project together for the first time, had to tap into a whole bunch of different um, uh, professionals to to get it going. And and then just started there doing project by project. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I'm so excited for really getting into this because I didn't actually know some of these things you've already shared with us. So I'm excited to learn more. So what was that transition like? Like, what was that 
like when you came and you moved from Mexico as a young, you know, younger girl, and then kind of had to, you know, reinvent yourself and learn the culture. What, tell us more about what that experience was like. Well, I'm from a border town in Mexico. So I think I was always exposed to both cultures. Um, I lived in Juarez, but I went to school in El Paso, Texas. Okay. So I used to cross the border every day to go to school. Um, you know, my days were all filled with English. I went to an Episcopalian school and then I would come home and it was just <laughs> a totally different vibe. Um, so I think I learned from a young age how to adapt to different um, scenarios and how to be flexible and how to adjust quickly. Um, you know, there, and, and growing up in Mexico, there's also a big dichotomy. There's a lot of poverty still. Um, so also being adjust to, uh, being able to adjust to, to the different socioeconomic um, circumstances I would find myself in, I think that has proved very valuable throughout the years. Yeah, oh, but can... then you were talking about coming here, sorry. No, I mean, I, <laughs> when that's... I came here, I, it wasn't as big of a shock because, you know, I had been studying in El Paso, um, <clears throat> but it was still a shock uh, here, just it was a lot more conservative, so to speak. Um, and in Mexico, at the age that I came, you have a lot more liberties. You're almost like an adult at that point. And here, you know, my friends were like, well, let's go to the mall for an hour. And to me, <laughs> to me that was very strange. Um, but, you know, I made a great group of friends that I still lean on today. And yeah, I was just very grateful to have a new experience. And then you said that in college you studied romance languages. Um, do you have a love for language or did that have to do with already having that dual language background or where did that come from? So I just love learning languages. Um, when I was little, you know, everybody would be off playing soccer or whatever and I'd be studying French. Like I went to French school since I was, since I could possibly, since I can remember, um, just as an after school activity. So. I already spoke French. Then during high school, I didn't mention this, but I left a year to Italy. And oh. so I spoke Italian. Um, I obviously speak Spanish. So in college, I was able to kind of to bring all of that together and really elevate it as well. Um, and at some point, I studied Russian. I studied Arabic. I've studied Urdu. But I, I wouldn't say I speak those languages by any means. <laughs> wow, but anyway, that's it's just something so I, awesome. I have fun with. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I am working on my Spanish, uh, going forward again. I mean, I think this might be like the third time I've had this in my, my thing, but, um, as far as like in school, I studied it in college, you take it. And then here I go, but after having been in Colombia and not spoken the language well, or, and just having to figure out how to get by in sort of a, uh, you know, as the COVID kind of came into that country, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn enough. So I would love to practice with you uh, and just have someone that I can kind of bounce things off of. But um, okay, so then you came through college and um, the hotel business. So tell us more about how this was, you know, how this impacted your life. Did your, your family have hotels prior or was this something that I mean, how did that all work? So my mom had hotels here just since, I, since the 80s, here in Denver and one in Vail. And so we used to come here like once a month, approximately. And it was just something that I grew up with. Um, 
and I was, I guess, expected that, that that would be my career. So I always grew up thinking I would go to college, study hotel management, and that that's what I would do. Like there really was never a question about that. And growing up, I remember, you know, in the summer, I would work um, at the corporate office, dealing with, you know, the management of the hotels. And then we would have a monthly meeting to recap, you know, all of the P&L for the month. And since I was about five years old, I'd be in those meetings all day, like over the weekend. They would do them on the weekends I could go. Um, and I was just expected to sit there and listen, and I would understand half of it, you know. But as I grew up, and I understood more and more. So when I came back and I actually um, took part in the operation, it was just second nature to me. And I ended up not studying hotel management because at that point I figured I don't really need to study it. You know, I kind of know it and I'd rather just study something, something else that I'm more passionate about. Wow, that's so cool. So then mm -hmm. you, your mom decided she wanted to start to sell that business or those hotels or how did, what, kind of tell us more. Yes. So the hotels just needed a, a lot of capital. Um, they were franchised and working with franchises is, is very difficult. Um, you know, they have a certain uh, schedule of, of remodels that you have to follow. And it just didn't make sense financially to be, to be investing more. Um, and at that point, I had this real estate bug that I wanted to follow. So everybody agreed that that's, you know, that we, it was fine to, to sell and just to move forward with something else. It's also a very tough business, you know, you're working 365 days of the year, my phone would ring at four in the morning, that the alarm went off, that some, you know, some craziness was going on. So it was just nonstop. And I don't think my mom wanted us to have that life. Yeah, wow. Uh, so then you, what was this first project? Like, how did this, um, this development bug bite you and what happened? So it, it basically was, a I bought an old home I, and I scraped it and I rebuilt it into a duplex, a really modern, um, really cool structure and then sold each side to two different families. Um, but basically it was one of the first duplexes to go up in Englewood, Colorado. And right now, if you go over there, it's crazy. There's, you know, multiple on each block. But I was one of the first ones. I don't know if I was the first, but I remember meeting with the city planners um, and I was going in there just to kind of tell them I, I'm under contract to purchase this lot. I know what it's zoned. I just want to confirm that what I want to do can be done. Um, and I remember the city planner came out to see me. I was in their waiting room and she tells me, oh, this is, this is nice. You know, we haven't had any construction going on in the city um, in years. I can't remember the last time. So she was excited. And this was in 2000, I don't know, it was about seven years ago. So 2013 that this happened, that this meeting took place. And it's just funny to look back on that now and, and how that whole area has just completely changed. Completely. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> just the redevelopment that's happened. Uh, okay, well, that's super fun. So seven years ago, that takes place and you successfully sell both sides. And mm -hmm. where, where, what's happened in that seven years since? A lot. <laughs> so... Then I basically started doing project after project, but I also 
was doing one at a time. You know, I didn't over leverage. I didn't bring on partners. I wasn't trying to get five or six projects done at the same time. That just was, was too much for me, especially because I was on my own. I was just figuring things out kind of as I, as I went. Um, but I realized that I wanted to get my real estate broker's license basically to be more aggressive with the land purchase price um, and then to sell my own projects. It just made sense that I could handle that side of the business as well. So I did that. And, <laughs> well, you know, here in Colorado, when you get your, your broker's license, you have to hang your license with a brokerage for a minimum of two years before you can go independent. So I found, you know, a brokerage, hung my license, everything was fine, but they were all transacting just traditional residential deals around me. And when I had questions regarding new construction, nobody could really help me. It's just a completely different language. It's, it's handled completely differently. So I realized there's a niche in the market, there's a need in the market in the real estate community for a brokerage that really caters to investors, caters to builders, developers, and then caters to agents, really, to brokers who work with that subset of the market, or maybe brokers like me who really are just transacting their own deals. Um, so that's the idea that spurred my current company in Valesco Real Estate, um, to find others like me and, and kind of come together, share resources, share knowledge, collaborate, um, I was tired of being the lone wolf. I was tired of, of just kind of being out there on your own. It, it gets lonely after a while. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I see you're stronger together behind you, and I love that. Um, one of the things I love to find out is just if there's a quote or a mantra or something that rings true or find, you find yourself thinking of in moments of, of perseverance. Uh, tell us more about the stronger together behind you. Why is that on your, your wall? Okay, so I'm, I'm sitting here at, uh, in Valesco Real Estate, our brokerage office, um, and I really just want to remind everybody that we are here to help each other and to collaborate all the time. Um, and it's funny because I didn't, I don't think I've, I've thought in this fashion for that long, but after, you know, after I found myself out there on my own and I realized your community and your relationships really are, are incredibly helpful and if you can be a resource, a resource for others, that's incredibly powerful as well. Um, and so that's the culture behind in Valesco, and we have it on our wall to remind us. I love that, and I mean it's so true. I've been, I literally feel like I've been just saying that over and over and over. Especially <laughs> as we've come through this COVID thing, even more than than ever, we realize that as a world, we are stronger together. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, you've made a few comments that I would love to just kind of go back and, and talk about. One of them was in the beginning of just sharing your, your story and where you started. You said, and then I just went for it. And I love um, that because I think that's something that you do, whether you constantly are, are thinking about doing that or you've just gotten in the mental and, and habit of doing that. But you are definitely one of those went for it uh, kind of people. And so can you tell us more where you think that drive or that passion comes from? I, I like to take risks. <laughs> I've gotten myself into trouble quite a few times, I would say. But I think it's just, I grew up in a really entrepreneurial family. You know, my, my dad 
um, is very successful. He has a gas company and he grew up in, in extreme poverty. I think he only went up to second grade. Um, and he'll tell you that proudly because he's probably the smartest man I know. Um, he's just, he's self-educated. He's extremely well-read. Um, and he can tackle any, you know, any converse, any topic at all. And he's just created this incredible business. Um, and so I grew up with his example and then my mother just being extremely entrepreneurial herself. I just grew up in a family of risk takers, but also combined with really hard work, right? So I think that's very important. You can't just take a risk and, and not be willing to, to put the, the hard work and, and the hours behind it. You know, it's a combination to make it work. Absolutely. Like there's no luck in success, really. I mean, there might be opportunities, but there's got to be a willingness to seize those opportunities. And that takes effort. I mean, even yes. just having a positive <laughs> attitude takes effort. Yes, yes. And it's every day, you know, every day you have to have drive and especially with, with your own business, you know, there's no weekend, there's no evening. It just kind of all melts together. Um, but I, I enjoy that. I don't think I would like a nine to five and then, and then shut off. It all just is a, a part of my life. <laughs> well, and I think the important piece in that is that's part of why you've got to do it with something you really love and you're passionate about. And do you think that you were always passionate about real estate? So not, not in this, in the shape that it took, you know, hotels are real estate and, um, it's it's just handled completely differently, but I don't think I was exposed to it um, just until a much later time. Yeah. Well, so another thing you you mentioned a few times um, was partners and the word resources and kind of all with that coming together that if you can position yourself in a way that helps the people around you accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, then it's better, you become better as well. Mm -hmm. As you've built this real estate brand and this company and this culture, can you tell us really what those key pieces that, that are true to that stronger together are? Yes, I mean, I think being active in your community and your profession, um, trying to take leadership roles is important. Being a resource, not to gain anything, but just to help each help others, I think is very, very important. Um, and I think that's when I started doing these things is when I think really there was a, a change, a pivot in, in, I guess, my career and my business. Um, again, as I had mentioned, I was kind of off on my own. I was working for my home office and I sought, um, I sought some interaction. And so that's when I joined the Home Builders Association, and that's actually <laughs> where I met you, Sarah. I have a little one here. That's awesome. Um, Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but that's basically when I joined the Home Builders Association, and, and it really clicked for me. Like, this network is really important. You know, there's other people out there that are trying to do what I've done, who are much further ahead than me, that we can all be there for each other. And I yeah. think um, that became an important part of, of my growth as well. So now I could say that I'm, I'm a resource for many people. And I can also happily say that if I have any question on any facet of anything, you know, be it 
for an engineer or an architect or whatever. I have many people I can tap into and that's just invaluable. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, that is where we met and we've been able to just build such a team that like you said, I mean, we can pretty much, it, another guest was talking about how it's like, you're less than six degrees of separation. Like there's no separation. If you get to looking for an opportunity and you've got enough in your resource, you can find whatever you're looking for through, often through the relationships you already have. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, in our connections, it's been true. You mentioned something about um, leadership roles. And you know, one of the things we try to do with the show is just give give tips and hints and tricks and just personal experiences of things in actual practical applications that will produce results in social capital, that will create these genuine, strong, reliable relationships. And mm -hmm. one of the things you mentioned as your process of kind of coming up with this, um, this office and the Stronger Together and the culture that you're developing is, is the opportunity to take on some of these leadership roles. So what would you, like, can you help us understand when building that, what does that look like? What kind of opportunities in leadership do you recommend to sort of begin to build some of that um, social capital? So if you're a person that's kind of just sitting in their cubicle doing your job, you might be doing an amazing job, but you haven't really put yourself out there, you're not going to go somewhere and immediately seek a leadership role, right? Because it's just, it's not natural. So I think step one for somebody like that is just get out, get out of your cubicle, <laughs> get out of your office, go to events, seek associations in, in your profession, join them, and don't just go to one happy hour. Don't just go to one meeting. You have to be consistently there. Once you're consistently there, you start forming genuine relationships, genuine friendships with people. And I think from there, these roles open up naturally, right? So they're looking for the committee um, to do X, Y, and Z, and you raise your hand and you volunteer. You don't just sit by idly, right? So uh, when opportunities pop up, don't be afraid to, to take them and to say, I'll volunteer for that, I'll do that. Um, and then I think just organically from there, things can evolve, but you just have to to be out there. And I remember many times where I'd rather just go home to my kids and, and just relax. But no, like it's, it's very important in everybody's career to, to make those connections and to be genuine about it as well. That's beautiful. I mean, I, I actually got like chills because I so believe in it. It's like when you invest in that and, and with you, it's like, I remember when you came into like my mm -hmm. network and when we met and, and I can look back on the, the years and just how that growth has happened. And, and when you're talking about the relationships and the, and the friendships, the genuine friendships, like I can think of the people that are in that genuine friendship circle um, that you're referencing. And it's just, it's so powerful the way that if you can somehow connect, like we were sort of talking about in the beginning, that your your business or your job or your whatever is a piece of you and something you're really passionate about, then you it doesn't feel so like work when you answer your phone at odd hours and you're available in times that other people might not be mm -hmm. because you love what you're there to do and why you're doing it and the impact you're having. And then when you take it even another step and you say, like, I now am going to connect with the world around me, 
and see what I can do and how we can, you know, rise together, if you will, or stronger together. Um, and then to just be able to watch that happen, it's a very powerful piece of the whole picture. It is. And it just completely changes the dynamic of everything. And it's incredible. And it's the time that you put into it, right? So it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens if you're consistent. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for sharing, Hilda. You know, there's, when I see you, you know, you, you say, you know, raise your hand. Uh, you know, you've stepped into a number of these different positions within the organizations that we're involved with. And you build relationships in a very genuine and um, unique way. And it's unique to you and you're authentic in just how you represent. Can you share with us sort of how you, um, just your philosophy on sort of engaging with people in a way that are maybe new or that you're just kind of coming into contact with? Yeah, I, I would say ask questions, get to know them, learn about them. They're probably going to be curious about you and, and what you do and be willing to have those two-way conversations. Um, I, I think also it's incredibly important um, for the people that, that already have that network. So like, for example, for you, for you um, when you go to these events, not to just stay in your own little circle of well-established friends, like be inclusive, um, say hi to the new people, bring them into the fold, um, reciprocate, you know, what you received when you first arrived there. And, and if you're new also, don't be, don't be afraid and don't be just like in your corner with the one person you clicked with. You need to, to, you know, to talk to as many people as you can and, and form the connections and see, you know, where there's synergy and, and ask a bunch of questions. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so as you kind of are, are, you know, operating in our new normal, and it may never be normal, and there really may not even be a normal, who knows, but with um, just sort of the changes and the, the ways that COVID has impacted your business, your life, how are you finding um, your maneuvering in that? Or, or are you seeing any pivoting or changing or things staying the same? No, for sure. There's a lot of pivoting, you know, now we're going to rely so much more on technology. I mean, here we are on Zoom when we, I presume, normally would have done this in person. Um, and it took me, I would say, a couple of weeks to, to jump onto the Zoom train. Um, we do a lot of events here at Invalesco. We have our Think Tank series. And right when this shutdown started happening, um, the, one of my, my team members, she said, well, let's do the think tank online. And I was just hesitant to do that. Um, but we, we don't have a choice. We just need to continue and, and try to provide value and still be a resource, be it virtually or not. So tomorrow we're having our first virtual think tank. And um, I, you know, we have quite a few people registered. I'm hoping it will be successful. And then apart from that, just in terms of, of selling real estate, it's, we're now going to rely much more on video, on 3D tours, and we just need to find the tools that are available to us and put them to good use. Absolutely, and um, that's actually exciting. Let's uh, let's talk about that. So, what are you and Invalesco doing right now? I mean, what? Um, how can we support you? We will have all your contact information in the show notes, uh, so people can reach out and get a hold of you. But what do we need to know about what's happening over there? 
So this year we have a very strong emphasis on, on growing um, our brokerage. So I'm looking to actively bring on brokers to the company that either are investors, developers, or builders themselves, or work with that subset of the market. So we'll always be a boutique firm because we serve this niche, but I want to find the right uh, cultural fit for our company. And, and I think once I do those, people will really thrive here um, because we're all about collaboration and we're all about sharing. Um, so I'm really looking for, for agents who, who have that mentality to join our team. And then on the flip side of that, we have already established um, a group of advisors who all have new construction knowledge, who have uh, knowledge, sorry, dealing with builder contracts and warranty work and all of those facets of, of a new construction product. Um, so yeah, we would love to be considered, of course, for, for as a sales team for any new product that is coming online. Awesome. That's exciting. And you're hosting think tanks. How often are those? They're about, they're bi-monthly and they, it, the topic sometimes is more geared towards developers, sometimes more so towards agents. It just, it varies basically. Awesome. Well, we will have links to all of that in the show notes. So be sure to join Hilda and her team for some upcoming events. And if you are looking for a new brokerage, um, also, you know, Hilda, it's, it's fun because I have three dogs and you hear them bark throughout the show all the time. I try to wear my noise canceling headphones and sometimes it just doesn't work. And then, you know, we, we saw your uh, little one come run in and, and give you a hug and check out what you were doing. And that's part of what is kind of fun about this show is we get to see what people are doing and what their life is like. Can you, you know, maybe just share a little bit about the idea of, I mean, relationships are hugely important. And obviously some of the very most important ones are the ones closest to us and our families. And um, as you manage, you know, all of this, this passion and this drive and this, you know, just go for itness and balance that in, in being really, you know, embracing and, and looking at and being intentional about the closest relationships that you have as well. What does that look like for you? So, yeah, it's very important to strike a balance. So I have two kids and I'm happily married. And um, thankfully, I have my mother here who helps me just immensely. And without her, I don't think I can accomplish half of what I do. Um, but it's just being intentional. Like, yes, I'm going to work really, really hard. But I also spend most of my free time with my kids and my husband, right? So, so they get, <laughs> my little girl is here right next to me. They get tons of quality time and we're just very very close so it's just setting your priorities and and making sure you carve out time for for all of your relationships and your relationship with yourself as well you know i think it's people need this varying degrees of, of time alone um i need time alone with my thoughts really and not full days but just 20 minutes here and there and I think it's important to do that just for, for self-care and sanity and, and to be able to be creative and come up with the ideas and, and come up with plans to execute them properly. I think it's, it's just important. Thank you for sharing that. And that's huge. I mean, in today's just life, it can be hard to just manage the, the time we have. And, um, 
and you know and you definitely i i always think it's fun how in anything we've been doing virtually you're you're right there your kids are right there kind of like how you were in the in the boardroom during the meetings yes. that you know it's that that just immersion technique which is really fun to be a part of so thank you for sharing that hilda um you know i'm curious too at this point in your career what do you find to be sort of the most helpful business development if you will piece of what you focus on uh so right now as i mentioned i'm really trying to grow the brokerage right um but i i'm not putting up a sign out there that says come join in valesco come with one come all because i'm again trying to find agents that are just the perfect cultural fit here at valesco and that takes time to find those people identify those people um make a connection and just make sure that it's it's the right move on both sides um so i would say i spend a lot of time out there in the brokerage community and i need to spend more time frankly just getting to know those people and and then even if they're not the right fit you know i've had referrals come that they might be the right fit um and just again even in my business development just uh when you're out there being ready to speak to to what your needs are what you are willing to offer what your strengths are because those people might send you the right people <laughs> if that makes sense i'm sorry it's <laughs> I absolutely explaining myself no it is it's very serendipitous it's that you don't all, always know but if you can have a pointed direction like you're in the brokerage with those people like you're in the right pool but um it's sort of open to how exactly those relationships may make sense um as they come together right yeah uh so but it's interesting that you said like you, it is it obviously is relationships are still the biggest piece of how you're building your business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that 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 actual human connection um how do you see marketing or business development sort of changing as we move into this new era if you will so I don't know, because I don't know how it's all going to shake out. So this last month, I would say, you know, obviously digital marketing has been a very good investment for those that, that took part in it, um, because people are home, they're looking for content, they're scrolling through their emails. Um, you know, we have newsletters that go out on a monthly basis, and our open rate was extremely high this last month. Um, so I don't know if people working from home, if that's going to continue or if, you know, if, if we're opening up in bases, maybe the digital marketing still is a huge component of, of what sh we should be focused on. Or if, you know, as we open up, people are just going to want to leave their screens and re-engage in the world in, in a physical way. So I think there's just a lot of unknown right now and we have to be nimble and be able to adapt. Absolutely. Uh, that's great advice. And um, we are, we're all kind of in this together, just watching how it unfolds, which is, is as odd and, and uncomfortable as it is. It's also kind of beautiful. Um, nobody, I mean, well, at least to my knowledge, nobody knows how this is all going to look and we're all kind of watching it unfold together. So, um, you know, Hilda, thank you so much for being here and for sharing yourself and your story with us. And as we kind of start to wrap up i'd love to know if you have um you know if if you have any advice that you would have given your younger self that now you know 
you know, I wish I just would have had more fun. Well, I, I always had a lot of fun, but um, like in college, I just never stopped studying. Like I never took a summer off. I finished college in three years and that's so unnecessary. <laughs> you know, you have your whole life ahead of you to, to tackle things. Um, but I guess not to worry too much. I think it's rare for somebody to have studied something as an undergraduate and then still be in that career. I think life unfolds, your interests change, you get exposed to more things. And, and I guess not being afraid to, to make a change and to really research if that change makes sense for you or not. Um, and if it does, again, just go for it. So, so yeah, that would be my advice to not be afraid of change. Um, and to be, yeah, to be open to it. Awesome. That's great advice. Um, this is just kind of a silly question at the end that I'm going to start finding out new things about people, but what would you call, or what would you want or ask for as your death row meal? Oh my gosh. I don't know because I love all food. I know me too. (laughs) That is so hard. Um, probably pozole. Ooh. I love pozole. It's my comfort food. It awesome. Joy. Man, when we can all get back together, I might have to, you know, we might do a little potluck or something. You bring okay. pozole. No worries, awesome. I will. <laughs> oh my gosh, Hilda, it has been so fun having you. And thank you so much for sharing yourself with us. Um, is there any final thoughts you want to give us before we wrap up? No, I'm just, I'm thankful I met you. Um, I'm thankful I've, I've met so many people and have um, all of these connections. And I urge everyone to just put themselves out there, even if you're an introvert, even if it brings you anxiety to, to walk up to people, because I'm actually an introvert myself and I really struggled with it. Um, but it's just incredible what it can bring to you. So I urge you to get out there and meet people. Oh my gosh, I would have never guessed that. That's, uh, that's awesome. Sometimes I ask people, I'm like, so do you think that you can learn how to do this? And sometimes people are like, I'm not sure if you can learn how to do this. But that alone um, just shows us because I would have never guessed. Uh, you're so natural. And I, I laugh about it sometimes. It's like people have no idea how like nervous you are unless you tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, most often they have no idea. And if you can get like five nervous people together, all of a sudden <laughs> none of them are nervous anymore. True, very true. It's funny how it works. Um, Okay, well, we look forward to seeing where this all goes for you. And I encourage people to connect with Hilda um, with their information in the show notes. And Hilda, I uh, look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. And um, we'll see you on the other side of this pandemic when we can all go out. (laughs) (laughs) We absolutely will. Thank you again. Bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.